You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super duper successful so the quote that we're going to start today's show with is when you hold resentment towards another you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel forgiveness is the only way the only way to dissolve that link and get free and that's from Catherine ponder what a powerful quote man there's some people that we're probably holding unforgiveness towards we do not want to be bound towards those people We need to forgive them so we can set those people free, all right? So the title of today's show is Forgiving Sets You Free. I want to thank everyone for listening. want to remind you, you can always go back and listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows at www.powerhh.com. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Starr. That's M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R. On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks, all right? For all my listeners in the United States... All my listeners in the United States, if you want to get my daily text messages, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247, all right? And if you want to download my book, you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right, we have an absolutely amazing show. Make sure you get your pens and papers because trust me, this show is going to be amazing. Let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Tom Monaghan. Now, Tom was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. When he was four, his father died on Christmas Eve. His mother was unable to take care of him and his brother, so she sent them to a Catholic orphanage that was run by Polish nuns. He would later go on to live in several foster homes as well. By the time Tom got into the second grade, he became determined to become a priest. When he was in the 10th grade, he entered the seminary, but he soon got kicked out. Tom would struggle throughout the rest of his high school years, graduating 44th, out of a class of 44 students. Can't get any worse than that. The administration wasn't going to let him graduate, but he pleaded his case with a nun, and she finally relented and allowed him to graduate because he had got good grades in seminary school, but she told him to don't ever ask her to recommend him for college. Tom earned money as a truck driver and used the money that he saved to attend Ferris State College. Tom did well in the junior college and would be accepted at the University of Michigan. Although he got into the University of Michigan, he didn't have any money to pay for classes, so Tom decided to join the Marines. While in the Marines, Tom spent a lot of his time on the ship daydreaming about his future. This guy was visualizing the lifestyle he was going to have and all the cars and the beautiful homes and the yachts and the airplanes. After three years in the Marines, Tom left with an honorable discharge. He saved half of the money he earned while in the Marines, but he would invest that money with a con artist that told him about a get-rich-quick scheme that involved oil wells. Tom would lose all of his money with no money to his name. Tom found a job supervising newspaper boys for the out-of-town papers. He soon started a New York Times home delivery route that he did himself on Sundays and bought a newsstand in downtown Ann Arbor. 
Several times, Tom attempted to roll at Michigan, but with no money for tuition or books, he would have to drop out after three weeks. Now, when Tom turned 23, his brother told him about a pizza shop in Ypsilanti, Michigan called Dominic's that a friend of his was selling. His brother was interested, but afraid to do it on his own, so he asked Tom to join in with him. Since he didn't have the money to pay for school, he said yes and agreed to partner with him. They were required to put $500 down for the store, so they borrowed $900 to get their store going. They didn't even have the $500 that they needed to buy the store from the friend. Now, the two brothers got a 15-minute lesson in making pizza from Dominic, the previous owner. When they finally opened, they had no idea of what they were doing. They couldn't afford an attorney, and they didn't collect any sales tax because they weren't even aware that they even had to. Their plan was for Tom to work half the night and his brother to work the other half of the night. This plan didn't work because his brother didn't want to leave his full-time job as a mailman. After eight months, Tom's brother wanted out and Tom bought him out by giving him their old Volkswagen van that they used for deliveries. For the first year, he was busy all the time, but he wasn't making any money. He couldn't pay his bills and he felt as if he was going down the tubes. Tom was drowning in debt. Going back to college was definitely out of the picture. One Sunday night, most of his employees didn't show up for work. Sundays were usually their busiest night, as their location was on campus and the dorms didn't serve meals on Sundays. Tom considered not opening as he only had half of his staff. At the time, they had five different sizes, but most of their business was the six-inch size pizza. It took them just as long to make that as a big pizza and the same amount of time to deliver it as a big pizza. Someone suggested to him to cut out the six-inch size pizza. He decided to try that. That Sunday, they never got busy, yet they made 50% more money that night than they ever had. All of a sudden, they were making money just like that. The next night, he cut out the 9-inch pizza, and he was able to catch up on all the bills. Tom learned that by keeping things simple, he could be more profitable. This man changed one thing in his business and went from having a business that wasn't making any money and being completely in debt to having a thriving business. So I challenge all my business owners that are listening right now, what's maybe one thing? Maybe you have a business right now and it's not doing what you need for it to do and there's possibly one thing that you can change that can totally turn around your business. That's exactly what it did for Tom. Now, business began to take off and he would shortly after buy two more restaurants. All three of his stores were in the same county and he wanted them to all have the same name. An employee suggested that he change the name from Dominic's to Domino's. Tom said that name is great. It was Italian, and they could use a domino as the logo. He decided to put three dots on the logo because they had three stores, and every time they added a store, they would add a dot. Now, at the time, he wasn't thinking about the company expanding to a national chain. Business continued to boom for Tom as his stores were some of the busiest pizza restaurants in the country, selling anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 pizzas a week. Tom would work in the stores from opening to close, and he made everyone else work hard. He focused on improving the business in any way that he could by saving time, preparing for the rushes, and enhancing the taste of the pizza. In the late 1960s, Tom attended a franchise seminar at Boston College and began to get inspired. 
at the seminar, he met Ray Kroc of McDonald's. We talked about him a few months ago. And John Y. Brown, the man who bought KFC from Colonel Sanders. When Tom saw the success of these two men and also noticed that they flew into the seminar conference on their Lair jets and were riding in Rolls Royces, he knew that his concept of pizza delivery was just as good as what they had. He just didn't have as many stores. Now, at the time, most stores weren't delivering, so he decided to focus on that which would turn out to be the best thing that he did. Again, for my business owners that are listening, what do you do better than everyone else? What is it that your business has that no one else is, else is focusing on? That you can, if you sat down and focused on that, you can take your business to the next level. I'm sure during that time and day that there were plenty of other pizza restaurants, but nobody else was focusing on delivering. And that was his niche. He said, you know what? I'm going to focus on delivery. Now, no one thought that it was possible to make money in delivery, but Tom thought that he could. He would just have to figure it out. Tom decided that he wanted to take his company public, so he met with a broker in Detroit. The broker told Tom that he would need to get more professional, hire some guys that were good in business, and computerize his accounting, and he would have to grow the business. Tom did everything that the broker said. In 1969, Domino's went from 12 stores to 44 stores in 10 months. The company was growing at an extremely fast rate, but many of the new stores were doing poorly in business. His chain had the busiest pizzerias in the world as well as the slowest. The franchisees weren't making any money and they weren't paying any royalties. Tom ended up losing 51% of the company to the bank. The bank brought in their experts and they ran the business into the ground by raising prices on the food and using cheaper foods. After 10 months, the franchisees hired an attorney and were ready to file suit. Things had gotten so bad that the bank returned control back to him. The bank said, I don't want these problems here. Have it back. They hadn't paid any suppliers unless they absolutely had to. Although the business was in bad shape, Tom was glad to be back. Tom says that during this time, he did a lot of crying, but eventually worked himself out of the situation that he was in. Now, although the franchisees sued him, he won them back one at a time. The few that could no longer work with him, they changed their store names and were no longer Domino's franchisees. Tom had millions of dollars of debt with over 1,000 creditors and 150 of them filed lawsuits against him. He stayed on the phone with them, assuring them that once he got caught up, he would pay each and every single one of them back. Domino's went from 29 employees to three in a home office, two of whom were Tom and his wife. Now, Tom decided not to file bankruptcy. He would just remind himself how great it felt when the company was growing and he just wanted to get that feeling back. Things were so bad that Tom had to defend himself against every lawsuit as he couldn't even afford an attorney. He was living in a house with no furniture and driving old delivery cars. Within a year, Tom paid everyone back. Within a few years, he was financially strong again. Domino's now had about 300 stores that were doing well. A lot of people now wanted to franchise, but after the franchise lawsuit, Tom developed a better system for prospective franchisees. It became the best franchisee system in the industry, and Domino's took off. By 1983, there were 1,100 stores nationwide. 
Also in 1983, Tom achieved a lifelong dream by purchasing the Detroit Tigers. By 1989, Domino's had 5,000 stores in the U.S. and throughout the world. By 1999, there were over 6,200 stores all over the world, and Domino's was the number one pizza delivery company. Also in 1999, Tom sold Domino's to Bain Capital for $1 billion. This is the store that he bought for $500. He bought this 30-something years previous for $500. And in 1999, he sold it to a venture capital company for $1 billion. Now, Domino's currently has over 11,000 stores in over 5,700 cities all over the world with 260,000 employees. And Domino's is now worth $10.57 billion. What an absolutely amazing story. Here it is. This guy knew nothing about pizza at all. Got a loan for $900. Him and his brother started the company. He was able to buy his brother's half for giving him an old delivery van. Was able to sell it in 1999 for $1 billion. Profile number two, Taylor Collins. Now, in 2013, Taylor Collins and his wife, Katie, co-founded Epic Provisions, which are meat-based protein bars. This was a surprising transformation for the couple as they were once vegans. The couple saw an amazing opportunity at the beginning of the paleo primal movement while it was still young. Their meat protein bars are jerky sausage-like cooled meat in an energy bar. They come in flavors ranging from bison bacon cranberry to chicken sesame barbecue to lamb currant mints. Wow. Although these flavors may sound odd, yes they do, the product's stand out to their customers. Epic Provisions wasn't the couple's first business. In 2010, they founded Thunderbird Energetica, which made organic, vegan, raw energy bars. This business did well, and they were distributed nationally in 2011 by Whole Foods. The couple then had a revelation and wanted to personally add meat back into their diet. Professionally, they realized that the meat was the future and a meat bar could be a viable product. The fact that no one ever did it before made the idea even more appealing to them. The couple took the lessons they learned from their first business and launched Epic. After their first full year of operation, they did $6.8 million in sales. By 2015, Epic did $20 million in sales. It's only two years after they started. After two years, this couple was making $20 million a year. In January of 2016, Two years after starting the company, the couple sold the business to General Mills for a reportedly $100 million. Two years. In two years, they built a company that they were able to sell to a mega corporation for $100 million. Now, let's now take a look at what we can learn from this amazing couple. Number one, think long term. Now, during the couple's college years, they started a commercial recycling business and they managed to make as much as $10,000 a month by doing pickups one day a week. Although it was lucrative, they felt it was disgusting. They handed the business off to family members in 2011 and started their vegan raw food bar company, Thunderbird Energetica. Number two, change course. Now, Taylor and Katie were once raw food vegans until Katie started having health problems. Nothing was helping, so the couple started eating meat again in 2012. 
Within a week, Katie was 95% better. So they were now carnivores again with a vegan company. They also noticed how customers kept asking why they couldn't find a low sugar, high protein bar that wasn't made of powders and syrup. That led Taylor to the big idea, a meat-based protein bar. Number three, make it original. The couple drew on their experience from Thunderbird Energetica to make Epic stand out. They came up with unique names and highlighted the source of protein on the packaging. They wanted to create the ultimate healthy, savory snack, which is why they use grass-fed beef and bison. Number four, stay scrappy. To get Epic off the ground, Taylor and Katie did a pitch a day with venture capitalists. They didn't have much success. Even Whole Foods, who had supported their previous company, rejected their new idea. They eventually found like-minded investors in Houston and Colorado and raised $3 million. Taylor says that many companies go out and raise $20 million and then just light the money on fire with splashy marketing. Epic raised awareness simply by sending samples to select influencers like athletes and authors. Number five, strengthen your position. In January 2016, General Mills paid $100 million to buy Epic. Because they had been so frugal in building it, Taylor and Katie still owned 70% of the company at the time. If you would have asked them on the possibility of selling to a big mega corporation like General Mills, they would have never thought it, but turned out that they really liked General Mills. They had the next three years planned out before the sale, so with or without General Mills, they would have still crushed it. And number six, expand your vision. Shortly after joining General Mills, Epic announced its whole animal project, an initiative to use more animal parts by launching new products such as bone broth, pork skin snacks, and cooking oils like duck fat. They already planned the project before the sale, but General Mills allowed them to make it much bigger. They would have never had the cash on hand to go out and buy three million dollars worth of live bison on their own now they can partner with ranchers to raise animals based on their standards and values now forgiveness is defined by many as giving up the right to hurt another person because they hurt you forgiveness says that you do not have to hear someone tell you that they are sorry for whatever they may have done to you for you to move forward in your life Many people may feel that forgiveness is for the offender, but actually what forgiveness does is set the victim free. Forgiving others is essential for our growth. We have to remember that our experiences of someone who has hurt us, although it may be painful, is nothing more than a thought or feeling that we've decided to continue to carry around excess baggage these thoughts of resentment anger and hatred represent slow exhausting energies that will disempower you if you continue to let these thoughts occupy space in your head once we learn how to release them we have more peace in our lives in order to truly forgive others we need to understand what forgiveness is and what it is not let's now first take a look at what forgiveness is not number one Forgiveness is not forgetting. When you forgive someone, your memory isn't suddenly wiped clean of the offense. Number two, forgiveness is not regaining automatic trust. You don't immediately trust the person who injured you when you forgive them. Trust is earned and they must earn trust again if you allow them to. Number three, forgiveness is not removal of consequences. Even though you forgive someone, they may still have consequences to face because of their actions. 
Number four, forgiveness is not ignoring the offense. You don't have to pretend nothing happened when you forgive. The reality of the situation is that an offense was made. Acting like it never occurred only builds resentment and anger. Number five, forgiveness is not instant emotional healing. Emotions heal with time. Some pain runs deep and takes longer to heal. Number six, forgiveness is not restoring the same relationship. Now, the relationship may be closer than before or it may not, but most likely it will never, ever be the same. And number seven, forgiveness is not a leverage of power. Granting forgiveness does not give a person power over the person being forgiven. That would violate the entire principle and purpose of forgiveness. Let's now look at what forgiveness is. Number one, forgiveness is letting go of the right to get even. You give up the right for revenge when you forgive someone. Number two, forgiveness is moving forward. Forgiveness is like saying, it hurt, I didn't like it, but I'm moving forward with my life in spite of the pain. Number three, forgiveness is dropping resentment and grudge. Forgiveness releases the anger towards the person who did the injury. Number four, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness isn't easy, but it's a conscious decision made by the injured party. Number five, forgiveness is a step towards healing. Forgiveness releases a weight from the shoulders of the injured, opening the door for emotions to heal. Number six, forgiveness is one of life's greatest teachers. We not only learn a lot about others, we also learn a lot about ourselves through forgiveness. And number seven, forgiveness is the removal of a roadblock. Forgiveness removes the barrier between us and living at peace again with ourselves and others. Let's now look at some of the reasons why we should forgive. Number one, it sets you free. Number two, it helps you move forward with your life. Number three, it begins your healing process. Number four, it removes the anger and malice from your heart. Number five, you're no longer giving someone else authority over your mind and your heart. Number six, you will have peace of mind. Number seven, you, 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 you have the power to forgive. Number eight, forgiveness is the best revenge. Number nine, forgiveness helps us release the victim mentality. And number 10, forgiveness gives you the opportunity to show compassion for yourself and others. Let's now take a look at some strategies that will help us to release the baggage that we may be carrying and forgive those that may have hurt us in the past. Number one, focus on gratitude. We tend to seek happiness outside of ourselves, but when we focus on gratitude exercises, it helps us to bring happiness from the inside out. When you are tempted to focus on all the ways the world and some of the people in it have done you wrong, instead, count your blessings by making a list of five things in your life that you appreciate. This will help you to keep focused if you practice this daily. This is one of the things that I do every single morning, 365 days of the year. Number two, look for the lesson. If we can learn to reframe all of life's events that we consider to be bad, these events can help us to grow into a more resilient person. Now, one of the things that I journal every morning is another thing that I do every single morning, 365 days a year. I take one event from the day before that I would have normally considered to be bad, and I pull the lesson from it, and I journal what I learned from the experience. So I may write in my journal, even though so-and-so happened, 
and I find the good in it, and I pull the lesson from that particular event. Number three, maintain perspective. If you're going through a challenging time, remind yourself that this specific event is just a part of your life, not your whole life. Don't allow this one situation to overwhelm you. And number four, let go of resentment. We must never forget the Carrie Fisher quote, resentment is the poison you swallow hoping the other person will die. We have to remember that when we resent someone, we are not only hurting ourselves, we are giving the other person control over our emotions. Finally, let me share with you a modified nine-step forgiveness exercise developed by the Stanford Forgiveness Project. Number one, make a list of all the people you feel wronged you in some way. Write down what each one did and why it's not okay. Number two, acknowledge that these things did happen and that they did hurt you. Number three, make a commitment to yourself to do what you need to do in order to feel better. Number four, recognize that your distress is coming not from what happened, but from the thoughts that you have about what happened. Your thoughts are within your control. Let me repeat this. This, is, this one is really, really important. Recognize that your distress is coming not from what happened, but from the thoughts that you have about what happened. Your thoughts are within your control. Not no one else's control. They are within your control. Number five, when you feel yourself getting upset over what happened, practice stress reduction techniques to calm your body's fight or flight response. Do some sort of meditation or some sort of breathing. I do all of these every single morning. Number six, Another thing you can try when you start getting upset about a past experience is to ask yourself, what am I thankful for? Ask this repeatedly until you feel better. Number seven, put your energy into looking for ways to achieve your goals instead of wasting your energy by continuously reliving the negative experiences in your head. We have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to replay the situation over and over and over and over and over again. That's what makes the situation even 10 times worse. Whatever happened, happened. We have to let it go. We have to let it go. But when we sit there and replay the situation over and over and over again, we make it a hundred times worse. Number eight, know that the best revenge in life is a life well lived. Forgiveness is about taking back your power. And number nine, amend your story to include how you moved on and how you triumphed. All right. All right. Well, that's all that we have for today's show. Want to remind you, you can go back and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows by going to my website, www.powerhh.com. And you can also find me on iTunes uh, during the podcast section. All right. So just do a search on the podcast and just do a search for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour. All right. Um, share this with three friends. I know you got three friends that could have benefited from what we talked about. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of unforgiveness. So make sure you share this with your friends. All right. We want our friends to be forgiving and to improve and get better just as we are improving and getting better ourselves. All right. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is forgiveness is not always easy. At times it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet there is no peace. And I mean, absolutely no peace without forgiveness. All right. Thank you much. And until next show.
Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Starr. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week.